Flight fam, flight paniacs, whatever the hell I'm calling you these days. How are you guys doing? Actually, I know how you're doing, and I'm worried about you. Okay, sit down, listen to me. Please just maybe collect yourselves and, and realize there's more to life than Flyers hockey. I know sometimes it feels like the Flyers have ruined your life, but they have not. The Flyers are a small per portion of your life. Get out there and, and run and and... I don't know. Take some sort of hobby. Whittling sounds wonderful. Maybe whittle something. I don't know. But just don't let the flyers ruin your lives. Take it with a laugh and move on. Like, I, after the loss over the weekend on Sunday, I was furious for five to ten minutes. And then I just moved on and did other things with my day. So please, folks, I'm worried about you. Find some hobbies besides flyers hockey. But on that note, please still listen to this wonderful podcast. I would much appreciate that. We, I can give you, I can filter all of the Flyers news for you. Okay. I will filter it. You can hear it through me. You can hear it through BSH radio. Just listen to the podcast. We'll, we'll handle everything for the rest of the season. We'll come back next season strong, but just, just take care of yourselves. All right. Take care of yourselves. On that note, I'd like to welcome my guest tonight, Maddie Campbell co-hosting tonight very excited about this first time on flight and uh very happy to have you how are you tonight maddie i am just dandy glad to be here just dandy's a great way to put that and i figure at this point it's it's probably better to talk about the prospects and talk about next season so this is really good timing for you to come on <laughs> nice palate cleanse exactly exactly let's talk about you know the future some positivity right there and I mean, I was saying that that Buffalo loss, that was kind of, we were just talking before we started recording. Like I, we both kind of mentally checked out a few weeks ago, but then the like beat Boston, you're like, all right, I'm back in it. And then that Buffalo loss just managed to be one more gut punch and it just sucked. Yeah, it was bad. I told myself I wasn't going to do this because I like just knew at this point, the season's over. They're not making the playoffs at this point. It's just too messy too bad everything is a disaster but after that boston game i i definitely caught myself doing that math like well if they they win tomorrow and it's just the savers if the bruins lose too you know they're only two points back and and you know things get more interesting but yeah i i made a flea bag joke i don't know if you watched that I, you know what? That's one thing I, I have to put on my list. I feel like I had watched everything, but I just realized I hadn't watched Fleabag, so it's on the list now. Oh, it's so good. But no, I made a joke about that one. There's a line in that. Don't don't make me an optimist. You'll ruin my life. <laughs> Which is, that's just where I'm at. That's great. That's a great line, and that's so true. Like, don't give me any hope. Don't give me any optimism. It just completely ruins me. Yeah, that Buffalo game, the Buffalo game started out so good. 2 nothing after the first period. Oh, right. They're back on track. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then, of course, they let up two goals, but then they take the lead. And you're like, all right, third period, they can do this. And th that was one of the things the team did last year. They really locked down those games late in the game. Mm -hmm. 
that they're not doing this year. They're blowing those leads. It's very Hackstall-esque how they're they're handling those late game leads. Yeah, it's definitely like my heart rate is going up steadily as the, the game goes on because I'm just not confident at all at this point. And it, uh, it feels pretty bad, let me tell you. Yeah. I was watching the end of that one in the most ideal hockey watching environment possible on my phone in a car. And <laughs> I... I almost threw the phone like out of the car, just like threw it into a lake or something and said, I don't want to just never again. Yeah. I I was in the building for that one. And I was also feeling like I wanted to throw myself into a lake. So (laughs) appreciate the continuity there. You just toss yourself from the round and say, thanks flyers. Thanks for this. I I just, I couldn't believe, but I say I couldn't believe it, but I could firmly believe it. That's just how this season has gone. It's, it sucks. It sucks. And I know there's a lot of negative energy around this team right now. A lot of people are feeling really bad about how this flyer season has gone. And it, it goes back to that optimism. It goes back to that feeling of hope because we actually did feel like, oh, they could take a step forward. They could be one of the top teams in their division this year. And here we are. Here we are. Every time I look at the standings, <laughs> the Rangers inch closer Rangers get a little bit... Actually, I think... Are they over the Flyers at this point? Yeah. Ugh. God. I made so many Rangers jokes before the season. Now they're two points ahead of the Flyers. And they have just permanently put the Flyers' goal differential into the negatives in just an abysmal way. It's brutal. As a sidebar, uh, Brad and I were talking about this the other day. And I was trying to decide which I want more. Uh, The whether it's the Bruins missing the playoffs, because that would be just hilarious. Oh, yeah. But then if they miss the playoffs, that means the Rangers have to make the playoffs. And do I really want that either? That's it. It's both bad. I mean, it, both options are horrible. And the thing about all division, right? Like, it, it's not like the Panthers are making in over us. It's the Rangers or the Bruins. It's somebody we hate. Yeah. Like, it's the Panthers or the Hurricanes. Who gives a shit, right? Like, I, I yeah. do not give any shits about those teams in any way, shape, or form. But the Rangers and the Bruins, I mean, the Bruins are the Flyers' oldest rivals right there. So, I, on the one hand, it's funny to see Boston fans suffer, as they did for many, many years, until the year 2002 or so, 2004, I think it was, when the Red Sox broke that curse. And it's just been sunshine and rainbows for those guys ever since. But do we really want Rangers fans with anything to be smug about? Like, that sounds horrible. Yeah, absolutely not. Although, it might be a little bit funny if they made the playoffs after just completely jettisoning, jettisoning, there we go, that's the word, uh, Tony D'Angelo into the sun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When That would be kind of sweet, I have to say. What was the deal with him at the trade deadline? They wanted to do a mutual termination so he could sign with somebody, possibly the Montreal Canadiens, and he just said no dice on that? Yeah, he's like, nah. Nah, I'm good. Weird. So I guess they're just going to buy him out at the end of the season. But yeah, that whole situation is weird. I don't think we talked enough about how just horrible it is that Montreal would even entertain that. I mean, maybe this isn't a rabbit hole that we want to go down, but I just... I will go down this rabbit hole. I think I found that aggravating. And to be honest, it worked out really well for the Flyers. And by really well, I mean, they got a seventh round pick because they (laughs) ended up 
This falling through opened the door to the Flyers trading them Eric Gustafson. I don't know why Montreal would look at what Eric Gustafson has done this year and said, that's a guy I want playing hockey for us. But they did. I, I, I guess they desperately need offense on the back end because if they're looking at Tony D'Angelo or Eric Gustafson, neither of those guys play defense at all. Yeah, really scraping the bottom of the barrel there. Yeah, it's and it's a pretty gross bottom of the barrel if you're looking at D'Angelo. Like, I, I the fact that they would entertain him is abysmal. He's not even French Canadian, guys. Come on, you usually go after anybody who's remotely French Canadian. This is Tony D'Angelo from South Jersey. This is the opposite <laughs> of French Canadian. Yeah, and like the fact that they chased PK Subban out of town because he was a locker room problem, and then you would just even entertain the idea of bringing in D'Angelo. It's just rich. Oh yeah, absolutely rich. And just thinking about how his tenure in New York ended, I, I think that you can't get much more of the definition of locker room problem than how that all ended. And again, we don't know exactly how it ended. We've heard reports and rumors and everything, but it was an ugly end, whatever happened. And there's a reason they haven't brought him back. And it has nothing to do with his politics. It has everything to do with how he is in the locker room. Yeah, it's, I don't know. The more I try to think about it, the less sense it makes my whole brain is just spinning at this. I don't know. I just, the risk reward for even just talking from a hockey perspective, bringing in a guy like D'Angelo or Gustafson, because we, we talked ourselves into Gustafson a little bit at the beginning of the season, just trying to be as optimistic as possible going, okay, maybe, maybe his offensive benefits could outweigh the, the total lack of defense. Maybe his defense isn't as bad as reported. His defense was worse than reported. It was, <laughs> I I gotta say, we've seen some bad defensemen over the years, and he might be the worst actual defender I have ever seen in a Flyers uniform, period. Because he just doesn't do anything on defense. Yeah. I was thinking for a second if I could think of anybody else that might have been worse, but yeah, I don't know. That that might be it. That's oof. Oof. I'll yeah. take the seventh round bag of pucks for him all day, every day. Oh yeah, for sure. You could at least have a chance of getting some sort of goal. I just don't want him on the roster. I don't care who they're playing in defense as long as he's not in there. I mean, it's... And believe me, the list is not great at this point. They pretty much gave up Mark Friedman for free to move Nate Prosser up in the rotation. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I still can't believe what that happened. season this has been. Just... So cursed. Gave up Mark Friedman for the chance for to just have Nate Prosser in there a few bit, a, a little bit more. And then as soon as Nate Prosser got back in there, it was like, oh, that game was a fluke. I see. Yeah. It's just like, I don't understand how they could look at him and be like, uh, sure. Prosser is the answer here. I mean, Brent Flair is at Phantoms games all the time. He watched so much of him last season when he was actively bad at the AHL level. Like I, I just, I mean, Somebody let this happen. Right, because, like, at least Friedman, for whatever difficulties he might have had making the big team, at least was good at the AHL level, right? Oh, yeah. Like, consistently, absolutely no complaints about his game, really, you know, the last season or so. Right, so, I, as good, however good Prosser might be in the locker room, it doesn't justify that kind of move there. No, absolutely not. I feel like that's such a... We've seen this a couple times with Chuck Fletcher where he, he does bring in these locker room guys. 
because we saw that with Chris Stewart last year too, where he wasn't really around too much because would he have a cup of coffee with the Flyers? But he was around to just kind of be that locker room presence. Just hang out. Be cool. He's a cool guy. Do you think Nate Prosser retires after the season and then magically gets a job with the organization somewhere? Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. That's the most Flyers thing that could possibly happen out of this. Bank it. Bank it. It's happening. He's going to be a scout somewhere. You'll see him as assistant coach in like three years. Yeah. I just, there's no other way that's going to go. No, absolutely. It's so not. good. And it's, <laughs> I just think of so many like ex flyers that pop, like Lappy is the, the prime guy I'm thinking of there as somebody who pops up as assistant coach after being like Lappy was a very, you know, again, great locker room guy and great penalty kill guy. Definitely a good like third, fourth liner kind of guy. But was he a flyer for like two seasons and he pops up and he's the, uh, the assistant coach before you know it? Yeah, very much just a hot second. Yeah, at the end of his career, he was more of a legendary, what, Colorado Avalanche? Oh. And legendary, by the way, is is a a loose term here. (laughs) We may be uh, being generous. Yeah, I I mean, Lappy's just one of those guys that was, like, loved by most of his fan bases, the, uh, the teams he played for, but not necessarily for being the best at hockey. It's just that gritty, gutsy guy. Yeah. And we're talking appreciation in terms of a few years back where pretty much pre-advanced metrics being as uh, as prevalent as they are when people didn't really understand, oh, those gutsy bottom line guys aren't really contributing as much as you think they are. Yeah. Oh, man. What a what a pleasant time that must have been. I say as like a regular stats user, just blissfully unaware. I just, the the laundry list of character guys the Flyers have had, and that's something that people try to point to now and say is actually an active problem with this team, which I, I guess you could debate that because they do have a lot of talented guys and they aren't really pulling it out. But I, I you know, this is the old stats versus heart debate and all that stuff or some people tried to say that Zach Romaldo, Romaldo, wow, the internet really... <laughs> That's infected me. That's his legal name now. I don't know. I think it is. I think he signs any legal (laughs) documents with Romaldo. Actually, if I I think of Zach Ronaldo signing any legal documents, it's with a big X, like a cartoon (laughs) character from the 30s. (laughs) Yeah, that feels right. But there is, you know, there's a portion of this fan base that still to this day is convinced that the lack of a guy like Zach Ronaldo, and that was certainly the case when he was here, is a problem because... He's a guy with quote unquote heart who provides energy and big hits. I I don't even know how to address that at this point. And I know we were hoping that NAK, Nicholas Albe Cabell, could kind of fulfill that role this year, and that really has not worked out like it did in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and that, that one is I mean, number one disappointing but also just sort of baffling i don't know it's i i don't know i just would never have predicted that significant of a regression and i i can't really explain why or how it's happened bizarre it is bizarre and i think the you know you're i think the frustration with this team a lot of it comes from the younger guys and uh, the production issues that you've seen on that and whether 
real or just perceived because i i know connecting especially has had some production in recent weeks but it just hasn't been as obvious to people as i i think it might be uh but you know he's not what he was last year when he led the team in points and you look at the top of the score sheet and it's mostly vets it's it's jvr it's katorier it's voracek and Giroux. And Joel Farabee's in there, but Joel Farabee also had a red-hot start and has kind of tailed off in, in recent weeks with a, a couple spurts here and there. Yeah, it's, um, again, it's one of those things, like, who would have predicted that, you know, it was going to be all of the young players kind of taking a step back this year? Like, you just can't write this. It's been the absolute weirdest. Yeah, and it's, you have so many X factors. You obviously have COVID, you have the no like lack of fans for most of the season not that i think that really means that much but you know the announcers love to talk about it not not necessarily <laughs> i guess the flyers announcers a little bit i fear i hear this more with like baseball baseball announcers cannot stop talking about having the goddamn fans back and it's it's so irritating during every broadcast and i mean you've got the covid season you've got this this insane compressed schedule that i think is just killing these guys right now yeah and that the schedule specifically i really do sympathize with i mean we've talked a lot about this in our slack chat like we're all exhausted just from writing about covering this team and like that's all we do we don't even have to go out and skate around and run into other people and do all that i can't imagine what these guys are feeling just fatigue wise. I have to talk about this team twice a week for what an hour, hour and a half. And I'm exhausted from it. I don't even have to do that much, but it's like, Oh, well I I'm used to having like a couple nights options for when I could schedule this. And it's like, okay, I could do this maybe after the game on Thursday and start at 10 PM and finish up around like one in the morning. So that sounds fun. Okay, cool. But I don't have to Yay. go on the ice. Yeah. I don't have to get hit by Zidane Yochara, who's 80 years old and 20 feet tall. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. I keep erasing from my brain that he's a capital now. It's bizarre. Like the first time they said his name um, in the last game, I was just like, oh, oh, okay, sure. But like, the season's almost over. <laughs> this is not new. But that's my reaction every single time, and I can't explain it. Chara as a capital is absolutely going to end up as a weird trivia question a couple years from now. Where does Daniel Chara end his NHL career? And we actually don't even know if it's he's going to end it with the Washington Capitals, but it seems like a weird side note at the end of the NHL career, like Matt Sundin with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, absolutely. Sundin with the Canucks is still just, I, I think that's my best example. I mean, you've also got, of course, Eric Lindros with the the Stars and the Maple Leafs. The Stars is the weird one there. That's, and it's the weird giant star logo jersey that Mike Madonna wore for many years. I just, like, that one just unlocked for me, too. Right. It's, <laughs> it's one of the weirdest ones, just. I, 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 there's a bunch of guys like where you forget where they ended their career and Chara's going to end up like that, whether it be with the Capitals or somebody else. I hope he goes back to Ottawa for a year. It's not going to happen, but it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I think that's the best possible outcome. Oh God. You know what? Knowing our luck, I just figured out what's going to happen. He's going to go to the Islanders. Oh, 
You're right. He's going to go do one more run with the Islanders and Lou, the devil himself is going to, to gloat about this. I, I still can't believe the success of that team. I, I talk about this every week at this point. I just can't, I don't understand it. You can't see me right now, but I'm just rubbing my temples. Yeah. (laughs) Like is Barry Trotz an actual wizard? He must be. I do not have any other possible explanation. He's just a wizard. That's what it is. You're a wizard, Barry. He, we've, I've discussed this before. I think he's like the only, no doubt about it, great NHL coach. Like you can say, have debates about all the other coaches all day, but Barry Trotz, the one that you go to everybody and they say, no, that's a great coach. Yeah. I mean, unquestionably at this point with, I mean, the rosters that he's had to work with there, like there's no, yeah, there's no arguing that for sure. Is there anybody else you would even put up even in that stratosphere with him? Uh, well, it was Elaine Vigneault before this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vigneault has really taken some lumps lately, and it's hard to debate a lot of them. And I, I know we've seen, I'm not going to address any of these these rumors I've seen floating around in recent weeks over this, but it's just because I, I don't know about how substantial they are. But it's just looking at the play of the team, looking at the how they've adapted, and they look beaten right now. They just look flat out defeated. I, I that's I don't know if that's the case of the team of how those how those guys actually feel and how they're playing, but the perception of the fan base is they just look beaten. Yeah, I've got to agree. And like, I get it. Like I. If things were going that badly in my workplace, I would feel pretty bad, too. <laughs> I've, actually, I've been in that kind of workplace where you do feel that defeated. So, you know what? That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I I mean, I, there's definitely something to be said for, you know, being part of the solution, not part of the problem. But, like, man, sometimes it just sucks. Like, Yeah. It's just bad. I was with this company back in like 2008, 2009, when there was the big recession and they laid a bunch of people off, made people take furloughs, like mandatory furloughs. And it it was terrible. And I remember we had a meeting about everything. And one of the higher ups came and talked to everybody. And he said, we're going to start this new strategy of trying to get business from the same customers we already have. And I looked at this man and I never felt more defeated at a job because I thought this is the most basic business strat. I don't know shit about business. Okay. But this is the most basic business strategy in the world. And I just realized at this moment, this is the worst leadership possible. How do you get me off this ship? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly the vibe, right? Please rescue me. (laughs) Please rescue me. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the, the worst things about this season is like, the sort of helpless feeling like I I don't know how you fix all of this. It's not going to be easy. And I definitely don't envy Chuck Fletcher heading into this off season, but things are real bad right now. That's my biggest question is how does Chuck fix this? How does Chucky two trades go about and salvage this? Because the thing is, I, it gets harder to say each day when they especially shit the bed, like they did against the Capitals the other night, or it was just last night. It feels like forever ago. 
It does. That's it why t- when I said that that was the last game, it's because I couldn't remember what day it was. I tuned out so early on that game. It, it's not even funny. Like this, the last time I tuned out of a season. Well, this is nowhere near that that just atrocious mid two thousand season. I I know this. It seems as bad, but I completely tuned out that season and just came back to hockey like a year later. I just forgot about it for a while. But this is close. I, I am finding games where I'm just like, I'm nope, not going to do it. I'm just going to walk away. It's fine. Yeah, I Brad and I were in the the Slack DMs like in the second period of that game just discussing interior design. <laughs> interior just, design like, over hockey. Normal. That's that's where we're at right now. I mean, if we look in the Slack most days, it's like what do we got? We got cooking talk, we got TV talk, interior design, candy for a while. Yeah? Yesterday, yeah. Just pretty much anything but hockey or current hockey now we, we obviously talk a lot about hockey in there folks but it's that really shows you how little we want to talk about it in there and this team you need a just, palate cleanse need a palate cleanse absolutely but what i keep coming back to is this is not an untalented team this is not a team full of like bums and losers like these guys have a lot of talent i just what do you do with them like how do you get the regression of Carter Hart, I think, is the, the big story this year and really what's frustrating to most people and baffling to most people. And what do they do about that? How do they do the hard reboot on Carter Hart to get him back next season? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the good news is he does seem to be, like, trending in the right direction. Um, but I, I do think time off really is just going to help him. Um, I, I don't. I'm not an expert there. Like whatever he needs to do to get his head on straight again, like have at it, buddy. But I think that's going to solve, not obviously not all of their problems, but quite a few. It's a portion at least. I'll take a portion and goaltending I think is, has really been one of the biggest problems, especially at the beginning of the season. Now, what, what about the other young guys though? Because that's, that's where I'm really frustrated, especially on the defensive end. Because I think Farabee's been great this year. I have no complaints about Farabee. Uh, Konechny's kind of been hot and cold, but I I still like that contract a lot, and I like Travis Konechny, so I'm not even thinking about touching that unless a, a great trade opportunity comes along. And I, I, don't, I haven't had too much of a problem with Travis Sanheim. I think he's had a couple mistakes, but he hasn't been... I would say he's not one of the major problems with this defense by any means. Yeah, it- if the rest wasn't a dumpster fire, we like would barely be talking about it, I feel like. Agreed. I think the problem on the defense, unfortunately, comes to Phil Myers, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's got all the raw talent, right? Like all the raw abilities. He's huge. He he's got a shot, but like he's just not doing it this year. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. And I do think it's it's kind of one of those things, right, where he seems to be having his own personal issues game wise but all of that's sort of getting compounded by the fact that the rest of the decor and like the team in general is also a disaster so it's a tough situation but I think that said and I mentioned it in my observations article today uh like he really needs to be playing for the rest of the season like I get 
you know, you want to have a rotation and the schedule is tough and, you know, get everybody some reps. But at this point, right, like you wouldn't you want to let him kind of try and work through some of these issues and I don't know, maybe do some coaching. Just maybe. Just an idea. Just a little coaching. That's all, all we're asking for. Nothing big. Just one unit of coaching, please. Please, for the love of God, one unit of coaching. I just, I feel bad for Myers. He's a guy who I, I, and I'm also starting to get the feeling, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think there's a chance he gets exposed in the, the Seattle expansion draft. And I would hate to see him go in that. There's, I think Flyers fans definitely have a target group that they want Seattle to take. And uh, there's, I think Myers is one of the guys we're hoping is not left available and not taken. Yeah, I, if I had to guess, probably they wouldn't just, you know, just because of the upside and the tools that he has, that feels like a pretty significant risk exposing him, even if, you know, you're upset with how this season's gone for him. But, you know, teams do weird stuff all the time. So I I don't know that I would put money on that, but uh, I'm I'm hoping they don't expose him. I'm with you there. Yeah, I think the what the the main target. I think everybody's hoping Jake Voracek gets taken, but um, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. But uh, you know, but Jake is also number two in points on this team, so I I, I just don't I, I don't even want to get started on Voracek because that's that's like a four hour conversation right there trying to understand <laughs> that guy. And yeah. I love him. I hate him. I don't know what to feel about Jake Voracek, and I've been blocked 20 times on Twitter by him just talking about this. <laughs> I'm not blocked, so I am, I'm trying to keep it that way, so maybe we should move on. You know what? I'm not blocked either, and this, that's like my deep, dark secret is that I'm not blocked, and sometimes people will tag me on tweets to him, and I'm like, don't do that. You're going to get me blocked. <laughs> no! This is how I get all the juicy, like, Jake blow up people's spots tweets, okay? They're I so good. They're so good. I don't want to miss out on those. Be cool, man. Be cool. <laughs> exactly. The other young player, and I say this at full risk of getting fired by Steph Driver here. Oh, baby. The young player, I think, that is of the, the biggest concern to people, the, the biggest potential issue here is number two draft pick Nolan Patrick and number two draft pick needs to be said every time you mention his name, because that's just how it is. That's the rules. I don't make them, but Patrick has really, I've given him a lot of leeway for, for having the migraine season and coming back. And I, I know that wasn't easy by any means, but I don't know. I, I, I just feel like he's, I don't even know how to describe what I'm trying to say here, but he's got, like Phil Myers, he's got a ton of talent. And unlike Phil Myers, I don't feel like he's really put it together for a significant stretch that's given me a lot of confidence in him moving forward with the team. Unfortunately, I really like Nolan Patrick, and I think he's got a great shot. I think he's got his passing skills are, are really good, but it just, I haven't seen him put together a stretch that makes me really like go, this is going to be like our number second third line center moving forward yeah and I'm very much in agreement there I have so many I feel like complicated thoughts about him and yeah I'm I want to be sort of generous and forgiving because he's gone through a lot and 
but I don't know, at a certain point, you do need to see a little bit more. And I think the thing is, too, that, like, it's not like he's consistently trying things or, you know, at least getting into the mix whatever way he can. Um, and it's just he's getting supremely unlucky and it's just like for whatever reason, it's not really clicking for him. Um, he's I, there have been so many games this season where he's been just completely invisible for me. And yeah, like that just can't be happening. I mean, I was thinking back to the couple of games last season when Faraby was bumped down to the fourth line and you could tell he was upset about that and he was running around hitting guys and sort of in the mix that way. And it was like, that's a guy who's sort of playing to be re-promoted in the lineup. And I feel like we haven't seen that from Patrick and that's honestly pretty discouraging for me. That's what I want to see. I want to see him like punch somebody in the face. I think the only guy he's really shoved in the face is Mark Friedman. <laughs> yeah. And that was even more just kind of avoiding a contact. Like Friedman initiated that. True. That's true. He did initiate that. He was just kind of like shoving him off, if anything. Yeah. I want to be sympathetic, but I mean, you've got two guys to be sympathetic with, and I've seen a lot more out of the other guy. I've seen a ton out of Oscar Lindblom. Uh, and, you know, he, he's obviously all the sympathy in the world for what he went through last season, but I've seen a lot out of Oscar Lindblom. Uh, it's not as consistent as you want, but I really think he's still working his way back into full game shape. And I, I have faith he's going to get back to a, a good point uh, with his, his hockey skills soon. Um, and I feel like every couple of weeks you see like more out of Oscar Lindblom consistency wise. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the other thing to go back to Patrick for a second, I think what worries me the most is the sort of lack of consistency we're seeing on just on the, with the on ice stuff. But also when you pair that to the sort of reports that we're seeing trickling out and really have been for most of his time here that he's like, maybe not the nicest, maybe not always the best teammate, maybe not always the hardest worker and just like all of these little bits and pieces. And like, again, you can take all of that with a grain of salt because like none of us are in the locker room who really knows, but you start to hear enough of that enough times that. I don't know the alarm antennas are kind of going up and as much as we're talking this season about the mix might not being right like if he's part of a problem there what are you gonna do right and the thing is you're never gonna quite get the value for him that you probably should get uh because I think at this point Look, I don't want to write Nolan Patrick off by any means, but no. I think he might, his career, I think would be better served by starting somewhere fresh and, and getting a fresh start. I really believe that at this point, I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose him for practically nothing, which I think he probably, if he does go, gets like thrown into a trade somehow and just not, not the proper value for, for a guy of his skill set. but it's, it's kind of how it's trending right now. And I, I prove me wrong, Nolan, please, for the love of God, prove me wrong. Yeah, I, I definitely could see maybe the Flyers getting involved in sort of a hockey trade, like <laughs> the Dubois, uh, Line A, Roslovic situation, uh, where he, you know, you just flip flop with another team's sort of young 
underperforming player and you hope that you can give both of them a change of scenery and help them out. Um, that's kind of, if I had to guess a trade was coming, like that would be the type that I would anticipate. The good old hockey trade. I always love that term. Like they don't use that for any other, any other sport. They don't say that it was a real basketball trade. <laughs> Man, what a soccer trade that was. Let's start. Yeah, like as opposed to. <laughs> right. As opposed to what? Like a, uh, I guess a transactional trade. Like, I don't know. It's just a weird term. <laughs> Never heard. That's a real football trade. It's so weird. It's really weird. I don't get it at <laughs> all. Now, one of the other guys that interesting news came out on him recently was uh, Scott Lawton. He was a potential trade target on trade deadline day, and the Flyers didn't trade him. They went ahead and signed him to an extension instead, and a lengthier extension than I think anybody was expecting there. Five years at $3 million a season, and look, I like Scott Lawton, but why? Yeah, I... I have so many thoughts about that. And I <laughs> sort of talked myself through all of them in a text to my friend, like right after it happened. And then I went from like, oh, that's interesting. That's sort of fine to like, wait a second. Why did this happen? I don't know about <laughs> this one. It was like, it was all coming together for me in real time. <laughs> Just like a stream of consciousness text right there. Text therapy, basically on it. The thing about Lawton. So he's a, a fine bottom six player occasionally can play in the top six depending on the scenario we he had uh some success in the the play-in rounds last year for the playoffs and i, I like him he, he has a nice edge to his game what was the the jagged edge was one of the terms i saw thrown around uh <laughs> less said on that the better but yeah i just don't understand the timing on this i don't really understand the term on this it's kind of a strange deal strange timing he's a guy who wants to be a flyer he wants to be here and he's good i i just i I don't know it's just kind of a weird deal yeah um the timing for me is the one that really confused me because i don't know like why did this need to absolutely get done now and especially when you're thinking now about expansion draft implications so like Either you have to use a protection spot on him because you just re-signed him. Or if you think that somehow this contract is prohibitive for Seattle, like they're not going to want to take it. Why would you sign it? Right. That's what I found strange about it with the the expansion draft. I'm not going to use a protection spot on Scott Lawton. Like I like Scott Lawton, but not enough for a protection spot. And if it comes down to Phil Myers or Scott Lawton, I'm taking Phil Myers every time. I mean, I might even protect Oscar Lindblom, you know, like I, I just, I think Oscar Lindblom's got a higher upside than Scott Lawton at the end of the day. He was drafted. There were all the jokes made. Oh, Flyers got another two-way center. And look, he's kind of sealing out at a bottom six forward and I like him, but he's not a guy I'm going to protect over another guy. Yeah, absolutely not. And I don't know. They, you would think that they could have worked out some kind of like sneaky handshake deal. Like we're absolutely going to resign you after the expansion draft. So we can, you know, use a spot on somebody else and sort of work a little magic here. Yeah. I I don't know why this was so seemingly time sensitive. If 
the Flyers wanted him back as badly as they say they did, if Lawton wanted to stay here as badly as he said he did. It's it, yeah. The more I think about it, it's just weird. What you thinking, Chucky? What you, what is going on in that brain of yours with this kind of deal? I don't I don't quite understand. What are you up to, pal? <laughs> That's the constant question with them. There's you feel like there's more going on and it was funny in all the Hextall years, people kept begging Hextall to make a move and like people, oh, he's got something going on. And just like, no, he doesn't. He's just being patient. That's just this whole game right here. It's it's just being patient. He's not. There's that residual like Paul Holmgren feeling because Paul Holmgren was always up to something. Yeah. And Chuck, I just Chuck hasn't. I think we keep waiting for Chuck to be the reaction, or I say we, but I mean like the the entity known as Flyers Twitter. Uh, is what I mean by we here. It's not really me, but a lot of people just keep waiting for Chuck to be the reaction to Ron Hextall. And he has not done anything to really show that so far, except for maybe Kevin Hayes. Yeah. And I mean, I think his history in Minnesota tells us that he's not going to be that guy. Like He's a generally pretty level-headed, even keel sort of guy. He's not, you know, going to get too wild out there. Right. Oh, oh no! Oh, there you go. There. You go. Oh no! <laughs> All right, that's enough for me, I guess. All right. Good night and good hockey, right there. No, that was great. That was wonderful. I, you're right though. Like it, you kind of moved the bar from if Ron Hextall is like, I don't know, an accountant level job of boring. And no offense to accountants, but you know your job is boring. Like. Chuck Fletcher is just like a, a slight notch above that to, I don't know, the the auditor? Is, is auditor more exciting than accountant? I don't know. But whatever is slightly more exciting than accountant is what Chuck Fletcher is compared to Ron Hextall. Yeah. Yeah, that feels pretty right. Hey, Ron Hextall went out there and got Jeff Carter, of all people, on draft deadline day, which I'm still kind of baffled by also. New team, new Ron, am I right? Oh my god, just going out. Is that is that going to be a more expensive Dale Weiss at the end of the day? <laughs> oh man. And I'm, a, I'm a Jeff Carter fan from way back. You know, I was a guy that I'm not going to say the Flyers shouldn't have traded him because they, they got Couturier and Voracek out of it ultimately, but Jeff Carter was a guy that got a lot of shit, but he scored a ton of goals here and took those long strides, so he didn't really have to skate as fast as you thought he had to. But at this point for L.A., like, he's just not nearly what he used to be. He's still on that Paul Holmgren contract, I believe. Yeah, it is kind of a weird move. Like, he's a guy who, I feel like the last couple of seasons we've been like, oh, is he going to retire? Is this it for him? And then you, like, go and add that guy at the deadline. (laughs) Seems like a, a weird choice. It's a real weird choice for a team that, I mean, the Penguins are in that situation where they, they are in win-now mode. As long as Crosby and Malkin are there, they're in win-now mode. That's how the Penguins are. And that's not really a win-now move. That's a kind of, like, Band-Aid move, I guess, while Malkin is out. or But Malkin might be back soon? I don't know. I don't know. Do they think that he's going to be, like, a Mark Donk character? If you know that tweet. Oh, my God. What is that tweet? I forget offhand. It's the... it's acting the fool and then it's something like the the penguins always have like eight injuries and call-ups i've never heard of yeah and the call is like mark donk and buzz flibbit gain the zone with malkin 
and you look and both of those guys have like 40 points <laughs> it's true that is the most penguins thing possible like come on brian rust you can't convince me brian rust is a real hockey player that's a computer generated name i don't know dude yeah they just picked that out of a bucket. It's not real. None of the penguins are real except for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. That's it. I guess Latang's a real boy, too. <laughs> the hair tells me otherwise, but I don't know. I can't confirm that. I don't know. That hair is just, it, it does not, it, you can't convince me that is not, like, grown in a lab somewhere. That, like, immaculate Latang hair. It's gotta be, right? Like, there's no other... No other explanation. That's it, for sure. It's plastic. It, it was made in a factory. I know it. Prove me wrong, Penguins fans. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Let's talk about the Phantoms. I'm, I am I want to move on to something somewhat positive, even though the Phantoms can't really seem to play at all right now because just COVID issues in the AHL, which is really awful. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Not great, but there's there's at least some stuff. We've seen some hockey, and what hockey we've seen from them has been pretty good for the most part, which is nice. Uh, so Tanner Lazinski recently called up to the Flyers, and we haven't gotten to see too much from Lazinski. But what what are your thoughts on Lazinski? Uh, what he did with the Phantoms and what he could uh, bring to the Flyers? He he's he was real good with the Phantoms, and I think it's almost not funny because I'm sure he wants to get his first NHL goal very badly, but the way this run of games with the Flyers is going where he's getting a ton of chances and just not getting a single bounce to go his way is exactly how his season started with the Phantoms. Is that right? Yeah. So it's not just the Flyers cursing him. Yeah. (laughs) We both went to curse there. So that's, (laughs) it shows it is a curse a hundred percent. It's gotta be. It's just a curse season in general. I hope he gets some bounces soon because I mean, the Flyers could use anybody getting a bounce. Look, I know they're not, gonna make the playoffs right but just beat the penguins come on just do one thing beat the penguins that's all i need really realistically you can lose every game to the capitals beat the penguins i beat the devils too the devils really stink just at least do the bare minimum there yeah just i think i maybe actually need them to beat the devils more than the penguins now that i think about it but i'm not feeling super secure in that answer yeah i'm not feeling more secure at that at all right now i <laughs> That's screaming a couple shutouts from guys I've never heard of. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Devils always, like, you know how the Penguins always have a guy scoring 40 points? And I was doing the the forecast this week, and I was looking down the list. I'm like, do these guys really all have, like, 40 points? How is that possible? And the Devils seem to find goaltenders that shut out the Flyers just in, in that vein. Yeah, like, actually good or not, who cares? It's just as long as they shut out the Flyers. They could get That's a guy the off the street tomorrow and he would shut off, shut out the Flyers. Yeah, big, uh, who's playing goalie for the Devils tonight? Guess what? It's you. Energy <laughs> right. there. Right. Congratulations on your shutout of the Philadelphia Flyers next week. <laughs> and what is it? They play the Devils. I was looking at the schedule earlier and I think they play them like four, three or four times in a row. Something like that. Something like that. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a blast. Let's see. One, two, three, four. So the entire week from, what is that, Sunday the 25th to Saturday the 1st of May, all New Jersey Devils games. Oh, man. Somebody's going to die, I feel like. (laughs) I think it's going to be Bill Like, you can't play that many (laughs) times in a row. Like, we saw how chippy the... uh 
what that run of Bruins games or whatever was getting four in a row. Ugh, I don't feel good about that. And the run of Penguins games that what they had that three game series with the Penguins. Oh yeah, that was like four thousand years ago at this point. I feel. Like. Oh my god, I know, I know. It was probably a month ago, but it feels like four thousand years ago. I've just my concept of time is just completely destroyed at this point. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. This season has destroyed my concept of time, my will to like hockey. All of that stuff is just gone. Yay! So the Phantoms. The Phantoms. Let's talk. <laughs> so I identified a couple of the bigger names that uh, the 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 regular idiot Flyers fan like myself might recognize, as opposed to some other guys. So I want to know how these guys are doing as an idiot Flyers fan who goes, I know two or three prospects. That's me. It me. Tyson Forrester. He's, uh, I feel like, really been hitting his stride recently. He was sort of like, I don't know, fine when he started but yeah it's everything's sort of clicking for him right now he's getting a lot of chances he's getting a little physical and it's yeah it's it feels weird to say that you know a 19 year old I think he's 19 now uh is playing a pretty well-rounded game but yeah that's that's kind of what we're getting which has been fun yeah I mean that's well that's good to hear and wouldn't he not normally be up with the phantoms uh given his normal timetable like non-covid or would he be up here already he would not be so both uh him wisdom and millman would all uh have to go back to the the ohl under normal circumstances they couldn't join until they're 20 because of the the chl ahl agreement there um so timeline wise i mean he's here two years early effectively i mean that's a little bit wonky because of when the season started but uh effectively two years early in the ahl and really holding his own and i don't think it's really possible to overstate how uh how nice that's been to see yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really, it's a big opportunity for, I'd say, Forrester and Wisdom, especially, to, to get these opportunities now. Be, you know, I'd just say it's a big opportunity to get these opportunities, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it's a <laughs> big chance for them that they wouldn't normally get. So, kind of a silver lining in a difficult season right there that they get to show off a little bit more at a, at a professional level what they can do. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what happens. I mean, presumably they're going to be going back to the OHL at some point in the future. They won't be with the Phantoms forever. Um, and just what that looks like for their development going back to the OHL, and then they would come back to the Phantoms at some point. Um, but you got to think it's going to help them out. So that's that's pretty neat. I mean, any sort of extra development they can get is certainly not a bad thing no certainly not and as far as wisdom goes how's he looked so far i know he had a, a good start to this the season and he's a guy i think a lot of flyers fans were excited about especially with that wayne simmons endorsement when he got drafted yeah um he's been sort of a weird one i think looking at just the whole body of his season uh he had a really hot start and i think he might have been playing a little bit 
over his head looking back on it um if i'm being completely honest okay uh, he's come back down to earth a little bit he's been shuffled down in the lineup and i don't know i don't think he's been playing poorly but you know he's still getting some chances and bringing some good energy and doing all of the things that generally make him effective but for some reason it's just like something's a little bit off and things aren't really clicking for him right now so I think beginning of the season we saw like a little bit over sort of what his true talent is right now we've dipped below and hopefully as we you know when we eventually are getting back to playing games uh he'll equalize a little bit um but it's it's definitely been kind of a weird year for him, I would say. That sounds like a classic figuring out his game kind of situation. Yeah, and I think the big thing is I would like to see him figuring out how to be a little bit more effective in more limited minutes, maybe playing with not quite as skilled of line mates because you got to think that's more, you know, equivalent to the role he would be playing you know, when and if he eventually gets to the NHL. So that's going to be something he has to figure out at some point. So I think the sooner he can kind of work at that, um, the better, obviously. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I know we're all pumped to see him up here eventually, just because uh, that, that energy kind of guy that, uh, the kind of grit and heart he brings all those buzzwords that we use all those same old, same old, but, um, I just everything I'd heard about him and that story was fantastic. Uh, it's just, I feel like everybody's going to shed a little tear when he finally suits up in the orange and black. Yeah. I mean, he's a great story. He's a lot of fun and it just seems like a really nice guy. So it's, uh, he's uh he's not a hard guy to root for. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, Igor Zamula, how's Zamula look? This is a guy that we are excited about. I think at least going into the season, possibility of joining the defense kind of came out of nowhere too compared to some of these other names yeah it's been i would say not like stellar not the step forward we we wanted yeah and i mean he's he's hurt now and you know he missed again the passage of time uh but he missed a couple of weeks before you know everything kind of shut down here um we haven't really heard for sure what's going on there i think if i remember correctly blocked a shot to the like ankle foot region um so he's dealing with something now but uh not great not great um i don't know i i don't want to say i didn't have like high expectations for him coming into the season but I kind of thought he was going to be more of a project, um, maybe more so than some other folks on Flyers Twitter. But, you know, some people were very, very, very hype about him. Yeah, I'm not trying to dunk on anybody here. It's just like I'm a little bit more cautious, I think. Hey, but if you're here to dunk, I mean, just go ahead and dunk. This is a, a dunkathon right here. You can dunk on whoever you want. <laughs> we'll work up to it. OK, sounds good. Well, I'll get the trampoline out. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He He's definitely still figuring it out. And I think he he had a more difficult task, I would say, um, of this group of rookie defensemen that came in. 
uh, he wasn't really getting any sheltering. He was playing pretty much exclusively beginning of the season with uh, Hogberg. And they were both sort of trying to figure it out together. And the result there was just they were kind of feeding some bad habits and they were pretty turnover prone. So that could get a little ugly. So you basically throw two guys, two entry level guys into a difficult job and say, figure it out. And, you know, you see what happens. Yeah. And I mean, I think the Phantoms were in a tough spot, too, because the other rookies are you know, coming from juniors. And like I said, Mason Millman technically shouldn't even be in the AHL yet. He's another one of those, you know, he's allowed to be here because the OHL isn't playing guys. So I get why him and Wiley, you would want to shelter a bit more. Eh, But yeah, I think things pretty much went as expected given all of that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's been bad, but I think, he is going to be a little bit more of a project. He needs to get stronger, uh, put on some weight. He's still very skinny. So, Aww. yeah, um, I'm not like what are you feeding them there, Phantoms. Him. Come on, get, get this boy, <laughs> get this boy some proteins. Yeah, I got to do something, right? Just dunk a bunch of protein powder in his Gatorade every day. It'll work out fine. Okay, I know how health works. I know how building muscle mass works. I don't know how either of these things work. Do not listen to me for a second not a medical doctor thank you no definitely not i'm about the furthest thing from a medical doctor you can find <laughs> now you mentioned millman and wiley how have they looked um i would say both fine uh wiley also missed some time with injury he took a shot straight to the mouth Ooh. which was oh it was bad yeah so uh he just got back, but that was, you know, a couple of games before this COVID shutdown. So he hasn't really gotten a chance to get rolling again. Um, I would say Millman I've been sort of sneaky impressed by just because he's sort of mostly holding his own. Um, and I'm giving him quite a bit more leeway, I think, because he's younger and also just very clearly not strong enough to really fully hang at this level but he's trying so hard oh poor guy <laughs> he is really doing his best out there i feel like the phantoms are just our collective large adult sons and whenever they they struggle with something I'm like, oh come on buddy <laughs> i have to make a, a side note by the way i've got the the vegas golden knights la kings game on right now in the on the side and jonathan quick just let up one of the worst goals I have seen in a hot minute. This was just... Oh my god. It was one of the... Whoever scored it from the Knights was on the blue line, okay? Uh, just entering the offensive zone. Just flipped it in on the backhand, and it bounced in past quick with nobody on the Knights near him. Oh no. Oh, buddy. It was... It was real bad. <laughs> It took all my willpower to not just burst out laughing while watching it just now. Honestly, it would have been completely understandable. That's rough. It's like Steve Mason, like uh, John Van Beesbrook from center ice level kind of bad call right there. Follow the bouncing buck. Oh my God. John Quick, man. You talk about a goalie that is just a shell of his former self or a player in general. 
who's a shell of his former self. That was the most respected goalie in the NHL for a couple years, and you can't give him away now. Yeah. Well, yeah, that definitely got ugly pretty fast. That's a shame. What's that contract at at this point? That can't be good. Oh, God, I don't even think I want to know. I'm going to look it up. It can't <laughs> oh, be good. Boy. I'm going to look this up real quick. Uh, who... Who on the Phantoms haven't we talked about? Like who who should we be looking forward to at this point? Like who's the who who are the hot guys right now that you really are like these guys are going to be awesome? Well, uh coincidentally that is the last name on the show notes that we haven't gotten to yet. Oh wow. <laughs> That's like real pros pro here. Great segue. Hell yeah. I didn't even mean it this time. <laughs> that would be Wade Allison. Yeah, he he and Lazinski have been playing together a lot with the Phantoms, and they have been building a lot of chemistry, and it's just been so fun. I mean, his shot has really pretty immediately translated to the pro level. Um, he's getting a lot of really good chances. Um, let me pull up the... I do have the stats up here. Let's scroll real quick. Yeah, he's got... Four goals, nine points in his first eight games. And I think the funny thing is that he's also somehow still pretty snake bitten. I think in the last, you know, week or so, he's hit like four posts. Oh my God. He should have twice as many goals as he does right now. Um, So, yeah, he's been a lot of fun and he's on the taxi squad now. I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow i sure hope so i mean especially after the the game that obey kubel had yesterday i really wouldn't be surprised to see him come out of the lineup and then maybe give allison a look i'm in favor of that at this point and i i feel like i've been talking about wade allison on this podcast for 10 years at this point i know it hasn't been 10 years but it feels like 10 years yeah and i think what I'm sort of the most excited about is like maybe more of a minor detail. I was kind of down on him for a little bit. Just the, the injury stuff really scared me. And with the the knee trouble, I'm like, I don't know. Is there a chance that he's just never going to get back to where he was before? And I mean, watching the end of his season with Western Michigan last year, he seemed to be fine. It's, really does not seem to be bothering him at all this season so well, that's awesome. uh, it's been really cool to see just you know he's not hampered by injury at all um yeah he's good all right i like to hear that i like to hear that he's good no no like qualifiers about it like he'll be good if he's good okay that's what i want to hear and like who can complain about getting another ginger on the flyers like that's great they should just be all gingers at this point. Right? Bring up York immediately. We can't get rid of Voracek. We can't get rid yeah. of Voracek at this point. Come on. He's got to be like the... Well, he can't be the the captain ginger because that's called Giroux. But... Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you forget how many. <laughs> you would have to find another ginger to trade him for. That's the only way. It's the only way. And you're never going to find one. I don't know who one. that would be. You're never going to find one with that lion's mane of a beard. No. Pity. That's always my my number one complaint, by the way, with the the NHL video games when you go in. And some players look spot on. Some of them don't even look close to what they look like. I'm looking at (laughs) you, Travis Konechny. 
And I had to fix Jake Voracek because Jake Voracek has like a black beard. It's really bizarre and it's really trim and proper. So I I just had to give him like the most ginger, unruly beard setting possible in the game. Yeah, I mean, you have to. That's that's the law. Frankly. It is the law. Yeah, it's true. It's in Philadelphia law, believe it or not. Listen, I can't dispute that. You cannot dispute that. Nope. Speaking of Cam York, recently came up to the Phantoms just in time for them to stop playing games, right? <laughs> oh my god, I feel so, so bad for him. I mean, because Michigan had, like, was... I'm totally blanking on the right word, but I had to back out of the, uh, the NCAA tournament because they had a COVID situation. And, you know, it takes a little bit of time, ultimately signs, and goes through his whole quarantine, all his testing, and he gets to the fans, and they shut down. I think he was supposed to play on that uh, that Saturday, gay, Saturday uh, game last weekend. I'm like visualizing the schedule in my brain because I think that's what it that sounds right to me because I I remember there was anticipation over him him playing and then it didn't happen unfortunately I think I I mean he was just one of our exciting first round picks and we're all excited to see him play a professional level and uh, nope yeah and I've been so so excited to see uh, what he's able to do with the Phantoms I loved his season with Michigan uh I almost a little bit hoped that he was going to go back for another year just because that team's stacked already um and I was interested in seeing what they were going to do next season but you know I think signing was the right move and he's going to be good with the Phantoms whenever they get back like we keep saying but uh yeah I think he's probably the one I'm the most excited about right now Well, that's awesome. I mean, I've heard differing opinions on Cam York, Mm -hmm. specifically from co-hosts in recent weeks. So you're on the excited side of the fence for him. I am. And I don't know. I, I sort of get some of the critiques of his game, just like thinking that, I don't know, he's a bit tentative. He's maybe not processing, processing the game at a quick enough speed am i processing things i oh my god it's been uh i tripped over the same word twice processing okay yeah the processing (laughs) thank you uh yeah just the, the maybe the hockey sense isn't quite where it needs to be um but i don't know i I think we're kind of seeing the same thing, but I don't agree with the read on it, what it means. Uh, he's, to me, it, like the type of guy who slows the game down and dictates in that way. I think he sees it so well that he doesn't have to necessarily be all over the place making a big flashy play. Um, he just, you look and he's where he needs to be. Um and I think that's not everybody likes that model of player. I think Morgan Frost is kind of similar and I've seen people sort of frustrated with the way that he plays as well. So it, it's not for everybody, but I think it's pretty effective. Um, yeah. Something I keep coming back to with him is just he's most effective 
when you're not really noticing him all that much. And Okay, so th- that's kind of like traditional defense, right? Where the best defensemen are the ones you don't even notice most games. Yeah. Well, that's kind of Kimo Timonen, right? Kimo Timonen was a guy you barely ever noticed, but that's why he was good. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it sort of hurt him, like, when he was drafted. I, I saw people comparing him to Goss Despair or, like, he was compared to Quinn Hughes, you know, because he was expected to sort of jump into that role at Michigan when he started. And I just don't think that that's really an accurate comparison style wise, but I think that's an idea that's kind of gotten into a lot of people's heads. Um, And when they don't see him making a ton of flashy plays, it's like, Oh, he's underperforming. But like, that was just never his game. Well, hopefully Cam York finds, you know, the the proper game for him up at the NHL level and and gets there soon. I I just feel bad for Cam York because he's going to forever, at least the first couple years, be compared to Cole Caulfield. He won't really, (laughs) the poor guy, it's going to happen no matter what, because I just remember draft night, everybody was on the edge of the seat. The Flyers are going to get Cole Caulfield. Oh, the Flyers draft, uh, oh no, they moved back. Okay, but they still have Cole Caulfield. The Flyers draft from USA, Cam York. What the? <laughs> the reaction. Oh, yeah, that was. The air came out of the room. <laughs> yeah, it did. And yeah, I don't know. I think I get everybody was really excited about Caulfield. I mean, certainly if they had drafted him, I would not have been upset about it. But I think the Flyers were pretty clear heading into that draft. Like, we want to stock up on defensemen this time around that is what we need that's what we're going for so like you had to kind of know that they were going to go for a defenseman in the first round right like i don't know why would anybody ever listen to what the gm actually says come on (laughs) who needs it you always just interpret in your head what the gm's actually going to do and don't listen to what he ever actually says although as i do always go back to gms lie they do lie quite a bit. That's true. That is true. It's pretty much their job to lie. Like, Chuck Fletcher was coming out the other day uh, pumping Shane Gostaspare's tires. And again, I'm number one Ghost Bear defender here. I love Ghost Bear. But, like, I'm not going to be the first one to come out and be like, yeah, he's having uh, the best run of it over the past three years. Now, his goal scoring's been fantastic this year, but maybe, you know, not worth Chuck Fletcher, who just waved him the other day, uh, coming out and, you know, pumping his tires like he did, clearly trying oh, yeah. to stoke the fires for a trade this offseason. Yeah, that was 100% him being like, oh, you like what you see? All of the other teams? Look how good this guy is. Behold, my defenseman. <laughs> hey, Chuck. Oh, wh- man. Whatever you got to do, bud, you you do what you got to do. And we'll you do you, buddy. Sit here and watch whoever's in the orange and black and be angry about them, no matter who is there. <laughs> All right. So I also solicited some listener questions here and got some pretty oh, good baby. ones. Got some pretty good ones. A lot of uh, Phantom's history listed over here. So oh, God. <laughs> first one. <laughs> first one is from Lazarus Paradise, uh, Colin said, hey, Stove and Maddie, first time, long time. Has there been any discussion in league circles about changes coming to the CHL rules for player loans to the AHL, given how many 18, 19-year-old players have seemed to seamlessly make the jump to pro hockey? I'll hang up and listen. Colin, number one, 
thank you for listening to the for- forecast and knowing that Maddie was going to come on because I did mention that. So I appreciate that. Uh, number two, uh, thank you for the actual good, serious question. We got many joke questions, which I always appreciate on Fly Verbally. That is the nature of the show. But this was a good one, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, I haven't really heard too much, to be completely honest, about the the CHL roles changing with regards to which player or when players can go to the AHL. Um, I think it's a complicated situation because I mean, CHL teams are probably not going to want to give up their best players uh, because they've got to make money too. And good players put butts in seats when, you know, butts are allowed to be in seats. (laughs) That's a big if. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's going to be an easy discussion if they do circle around to it, but I, yeah, for a long time, I I wished that there would be some kind of maybe exemptions allowed with this. Like, I don't even know what it would be, but for example, like top 10 picks in the draft are like allowed to go to the AHL early or something. Um, Because I do think there is like a sort of weird murky middle like developmentally with some players where they're not ready to go straight to the NHL level but the other option is going back to the CHL for another year and they're just not really going to gain anything at that point like they're too good for that level and then like what like what are you supposed to do that's not really helping anybody so um I do hope that it's something that they revisit but I I haven't really heard anything concrete. It's the strange limbo that it can be very frustrating for certain players that I'm looking, I'm actually thinking back to Scott Lawton, who we discussed extensively earlier. Uh, Scott Lawton had a, a killer season at that level. What did he post like a hundred points or something ridiculous? (laughs) Just like absolutely killed it. And actually set some people's expectations for his offensive upside, like sky high, which I knew that wasn't going to happen. And eventually made it here, but that was, he was definitely one of those guys who probably should have been in the AHL when he was, uh, when he was at that CHL level. Yeah. And honestly, I think a guy like Nolan Patrick probably would have benefited from being allowed to play in the NHL or play in the AHL rather than having to jump straight to the NHL oh, yeah. uh, in his draft plus one season. Cause, uh, like I mean, like we said, we saw some flashes that first year, but it—I don't know. He—I don't think he was quite ready for that level, which is super understandable. It's—it's it's a hard jump to make, but you know. Oh yeah, they're in a tough spot with those guys. They are in a tough spot with those guys. You, you see it time and time again. I mean, even Carter Hart to a degree. Uh, I think we're kind of seeing it with Carter Hart now, where he maybe could have used a little bit more seasoning. But hey, don't say that. Don't say that. Ron just didn't have the guts to call him up earlier. <laughs> sure sure that's it just throw people development isn't a thing just throw people into the fire and uh sink or swim that's that's how it works i I, people drive me nuts they absolutely (laughs) drive me nuts (laughs) uh hockey panda james minger who has uh, a a a a definitely long time listener right there who could eat more cheeseburgers mike maniluk or john slaney uh i as a long time mike maniluk fanboy here i'm gonna have to of course go with mike maniluk here uh the all-time my all-time favorite phantom right there 
And also, if you could go on an ice cream social date, would you pick Colin Forbes or Richard Park? This is what, what an outstanding question. And the answer is both, James. I'm going with both because they're both gentlemen. <laughs> I'm obsessed with these questions, but I feel like I'm going to make some people mad when I have to point out that I just turned 25 and I don't know <laughs> who so many of these names are. Well, that's we get to divide this perfectly then where you can handle any current Phantoms and I can handle anybody from when the Phantoms played in the Spectrum in South Philly when the Spectrum still (laughs) stood. Perfect. Oh, my God. It's it's unbelievable sometimes how long ago that was for me that I was seeing the Phantoms play in the Spectrum. But I got all those. I got the Richard Park questions, the Mike Manilux. Oh, (laughs) Kurt. Kurt had to chime in with should have kept flex. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> Always should have kept. I love flex. Mexican wrestler mascot. Can't beat that. Come on. <laughs> Jimothy Swagger 15. Jim Bob Dreadediah. First time, long time. I, I know you, Jim. I'm out here. I'm looking at you. My, my question for tonight. Who's the next stole tender down on the farm? I'll hang up and listen. Oh, man. Ah. Uh... By the way, the stole tender, stole tender, the goaltender just got a shutout at the NHL level with the Ducks over the the Sharks the other night. Yeah, he sure is still kicking around. I can't believe it. Good for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah, it's a shame it didn't work out here, but like, good for him. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I feel like, yeah, I, I think it's Sandstrom if I had to had to put some money on it. Okay. There's my answer. How's the Sandstorm looking? Um, well, I think he's hurt as well. Everybody's That hurt. was, like, sort of weird and mysterious where, like, he was up on the taxi squad for a hot second when they sent Lion down to get him some games. And then he came back and still didn't play. But nobody said he was injured. And then I think, like, maybe the play-by-play guy mentioned it in passing like a week or so later it oh. was the situation is very weird like i think i vaguely remember getting a text from brad being like oh apparently he's hurt okay something going on there he hasn't been great this season <laughs> anyway like when he's playing that's disappointing on two levels yeah poor sandstorm poor guy all right, Michael P. Wags, Michael. How did Zamola? How have Zamola and Hogberg played? Uh, each of their what's their biggest strengths and weaknesses at the AHL level so far? Um, we sort of touched on them earlier. Like I said, they've been playing together a lot. Um, well, obviously not now because Zamola's hurt. But um, yeah, I think Hogberg's been fine like generally for me he's not super noticeable other than you know when he's he's doing the turnover thing um (laughs) kind of a big deal it's a ringing endorsement here yeah yeah i think both of them are just very much still figuring it out um they've both shown some flashes of good playmaking stuff they're uh both really good passers um, so we've seen some, like I said, nice flashes of like, we'll do a stretch pass and create something out of that. And that's really exciting, but we haven't really seen it with a whole lot of consistency yet, which is understandable. I mean, they're still getting adjusted to 
this league. So um, I'm not really super fussed about neither of them really blowing me away at this point. But uh, yeah, I'm very much still figuring it out. Okay, so it's still just figuring things out, as you said. That's uh, that's what the AHL's for. Yep. And it like, I know it feels like the season has been going on for a thousand years. At it's this only point. been a couple months. It's been like three months. <laughs> very much still early and i have to keep reminding myself of that oh what a mess oh and yeah at the hl level like i'm thinking the nhl level it's been like three four months tops it feels like forever but ahl yeah like they've only gotten to play a few games yeah they started a couple weeks later so and and the phantoms had a couple of little pauses um before this one not really their fault but uh yeah so limited here yeah, just a little limited, but you know, we we, we make do with what we have here. We make do. We are doing we our best. Damn it, we are. All right, Jake D. Riley wants to know why the Phantoms ever got rid of Flex so much. Like Kurt, Jake wants to know where is a lot Flex? Of Flex fans around here. They are. They're, they're flexing. The Flex fans are flexing. <laughs> Jared twenty eight ninety three. Are they from the opera or are they from the paradise? They're from the rink, Jared. Come on, they're from the spectrum. Phantoms of the Spectrum, thank you. Drewski Plucks. Drewski, what's Kirby Law up to these days? That's a name right there, Drewski. And I will tell you, he's opened his own law office, of course. Kirby Law could only have one career, and that's as an unofficial lawyer. He's actually not licensed anywhere, so don't hire him for a case. But he'll at least show up in court and look official. Just like we are not medical doctors. Not yet. And not ever for me, because I don't have the patience for that kind of schooling. (laughs) Absolutely not. This wasn't a question, but I did appreciate Peg City Cade chiming in saying, I once won an accounting firm hockey tournament with Mike Maniluk on our team. His brother George was our goalie. Mike was just back from Europe for offseason, had sponsors all over his gear, kind of against the rules, ringer. (laughs) So Mike Maniluk stories left and right over here. That's amazing. That is amazing. And uh, just trying to see if I have any other good ones here. Uh, Steve, three... uh, You have a long Twitter handle, my friend. Three W-Zero-K-A-W-Zero-K-A. I'm sure there's a way to pronounce that. Please DM it to me and I will know it for next time. Top three fun to pronounce Phantoms names of all time. I've got Laliberte, Matsumoto, and Bialois. I have to agree with that. Biolois, especially. I think Frank, the animal Biolois, might be just the most fun phantom of all time for being just a, a boxer on skates. Maybe a UFC fighter on skates, because he had that long hair, too. Uh, mm. if, if you're not familiar with Frank, the animal listeners, look up some of his fights. This guy, the phantoms and the Hershey Bears used to fight so often. I specifically remember going to a game when I was a teenager and before I could sit down in my seats, I was maybe five seconds late. There was already a fight. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we have Tight Yoakum, which is a hell of a Twitter handle right there. Who do you think Flyers fans misguidedly put too much hope and faith in more? Jason Ackeson or Danny Savret or Time and Time Again? That's that's quite a question. Uh, I believe it's either Jason Ackeson or time again is the answer to that one. Uh, Danny Savret, I don't think they had that much faith, but 
Atkinson, we had one playoff run where we were all about that guy. And time again, there was like a 10 game stretch where people were like, time again is legit and never again. Oh man, what a time. What a time. There were multiple blogs claiming claiming that nickname time and time again, that pun or whatever. And I think it was like between blogs and reporters and guys, you know what? None of us need this. <laughs> for a fourth <laughs> liner. Leave that one alone. For a fourth liner that the Flyers basically traded to the Sharks for nothing. Yeah, perhaps not. Perhaps not. All right, folks. Well, we uh, thank you for your questions. I do appreciate it. And uh, we got a couple good ones in there for, for Matt to answer. And you know what? I'm not complaining about the joke questions because that's our bread and butter right there on this program. So always appreciate it. Appreciate the feedback. And speaking of feedback, if you have any feedback, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach me at FlyPerbole or at Estebaum. But for hockey needs, make it FlyPerbole. Maddie, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, just my myself i just <laughs> like what is my twitter handle ah! uh madeline campbell but no e in madeline. my last name because my name's too long for twitter apparently which is a, a crime <laughs> that is a crime <laughs> yeah and i will of course link to everything tomorrow but follow maddie Excellent. follow myself follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey uh do you do facebook anymore guys uh, i guess we're on facebook i don't know if stuff goes out there who knows anymore uh i also have the fly purple instagram i i post links there sometimes however you post links on an instagram in the stories i don't know it's a reminder that there's a podcast and occasionally a picture of a flyers related thing so hooray for that uh and be sure to listen to all of our great podcasts we have so many good ones on broad street hockey and despite the fact that this team makes us all miserable we are still putting that tangy tent out there for you fine folks all right everyone thank you so much for listening continue to wear your damn mask wash your damn hands and until next time in the words of the great gene hart good night and good hockey oh wow wow